Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Uh, Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm meeting a new friend. Uh, Actually, there's a lot of overlap in our life, which is kind of an exciting thing. We're going to get into that. How the body of Christ has really fitted together uh, over the decades is pretty amazing when you think about it. But his name is Russell Joyce, and, and he's the fairly new pastor of Faith Center in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Faith Center was started by a guy that I looked at as my older brother, Roy Hicks Jr., a number of years ago. In fact, he Roy tried to recruit me to come with him to to start the church and or take over a small church and basically start the church. But Russell, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really happy to get to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I I love that you said a fairly new pastor, but not quite a fairly new church, especially if Roy's your older brother. Yeah, yeah Roy was a, a guy. I was I grew up in, in in a big church in Portland, which at the time was the biggest in our denomination. Which church? Uh, the The Portland Foursquare Church. The Portland the Foursquare. Old, oh wow! The old okay. main Foursquare Church. Um, yeah, called it Big Four and all that. And I grew up with a bunch of kids. I'm the only one of seven of us that hung out together that didn't go to jail or something. I mean, some of it was pranks. One guy was a jewel thief. Um, So I put put that on the tombstone. The only one of seven that didn't go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, um, Christian life was really a pain. You know, I I was a hypocrite and, and didn't want to be. And I met this guy, Roy Hicks. He showed up at, at Camp Crestview one day while I was, I think I was working there as a volunteer. And it's like, this guy is real. This guy actually is what I want to be as a Christian. And I was already enrolled in the Bible college. I was about ready to go there. And I I met this guy and it's like, oh my gosh. And it, it, I mean, just knowing him changed my life. And yeah, we didn't really hook up for a year. He he was going to school in Canada for a year. He came back to Southern California, and um, I don't know if we would have planted churches. I wanted to while I was in college, but Roy, Roy did it first, and I could kind of follow in his footsteps. And so mm-hmm. the Hope Chapels and all that's there, a lot of that has to do with Faith Center and and what Roy did when he was there. Which is which is remarkable um, for multiple reasons, but one of them that you and I know is my entrance into Foursquare because I'm an East Coast guy. I'm from North Carolina, the Raleigh Durham area, was through a Hope Chapel that you sent out. So I have a little bit of the DNA of Hope Chapel. I'm, I, I joke. I'm pretty sure I started saying "dude" because I went to that church because I still <laughs> have that Southern California lexicon as part of uh, as part of the culture. And that was Bill Gross. That was Bill Gross. Yep. Well, that was tell my us first a little concert. bit about your relationship with Bill, and then we'll kind of get uh, into your journey. I love Bill. Bill, I, I've told Bill, he recently retired, that I, I wouldn't be in Foursquare without him for numerous reasons. I mean, for one, um, uh, I uh, my family had come out of a Southern Baptist church plant, they called it, really was a church split, as many of those church plants go. But uh, we had come out of a Southern Baptist church plant. 
and we had some friends that were attending Hope Chapel in Apex. And um, it was very similar to what we'd experienced. A lot of deep love for Jesus, um, taking the Bible seriously. The one difference being they just talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, but not in a weird way, you know, and this is something I'd never heard, uh, but in a way that's, uh, you know, expressed just a personal intimacy. I'm sure like what you experienced with Roy, it wasn't weird. It was just people who knew God relationally. And so that started my journey of discipleship into, um, I guess, Pentecostalism, uh, but hopefully the, the non-weird version of it. <laughs> and uh, Roy, or Roy, and Bill discipled me. When I went to seminary, I asked Bill to uh, mentor me further. I went to Duke Divinity School in North Carolina, which is a historically Methodist school. Felt like I was one of five Pentecostals at the seminary. <laughs> and, uh, and Bill just continued to yeah, um, mentor me. At that point, he was in charge of global cities. And so um, he was one of the first that, you know, believed in, in this vision that my wife and I had uh, to join with what God was doing in New York City. And so we moved up to New York City and planted a church in Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, he was just, he, he embodied, I think, a lot of the values of Hope Chapel and a Foursquare. Um, he empowered me. He empowered me when I was young. He poured into me, even though he was the senior leader. Um, so yeah, Bill is uh, an incredible dear friend and mentor in my life. You know, that word empower is, uh, I'm, I'm working on a teaching I'm supposed to do for Exponential next week. And uh, one of the things that I think people overlook, I, I was looking at some of the agenda, some of the material that people are presenting. It's so much about packing people's head with knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, whether that be knowledge of the Bible uh, someone said recently, uh, I, I think I want to write something about this, but that, that we've come to believe in the the Holy Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Yeah, we, we leave the Holy Spirit out of what we do. But and then, you know, in, in my Pentecostal background, sometimes when we talk about empowering, all we talk about is the miraculous. Right. Not the little tiny miraculous of yeah. people being led by the Spirit into things that God wants them to do and empowering them to take who they are and and you know turn it into something in the marketplace but right i'd like you to um take us into your journey a little bit you've, you've pastored a couple churches um you did you plant in brooklyn take we us did yeah there and tell us your story yeah absolutely um i completely agree with what you're saying about empowerment i think um it can include the big and the miraculous. And it sometimes it does. it does. Yeah. But those, those little moments, uh, I, what I love about Foursquare at its best is that it seems to have such a balance between the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. Um, and those two need to be two wings of maybe the, the, the dove, so to speak. Um, that if we don't have both then we're not being fully empowered by, by the fullness of who God is. Um, so a little of our story. So like I mentioned, uh, or I was part of, Hope Chapel in Apex, North Carolina, all through high school. I went to undergrad for business. That was my attempt at, um, I told God that, you know, I would work in Christian nonprofits. So I was tr still trying to have one foot in the following God camp and one foot in, can I still make my own decisions for my life camp? And um, during that time, uh, after, after undergrad, I taught eighth grade math for one year in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, that was my desert season. That's when I said, okay, God, you win. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't make me teach eighth grade math again. Um, and I went to seminary at Duke and uh, Bill mentored me. 
during that time, I spent my summers in Portland, Oregon, where I met my wife. So my wife's family's from Portland. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, her dad pastored Evangel. Do you know Evangel? Do you oh, remember yeah. that church? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I'm, he I'm pastored Evangel. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Y- you know, it, growing up in, in, I grew up in Foursquare. And, and growing yeah. up in Foursquare in, in those times, uh, there was a tendency in the circles I was in. I'm not sure about the denomination, but to, it was us kind of an us for no more. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you, you know, I knew kids at school that were Methodists and Lutherans, one Presbyterian, and I was really skeptical as to their true salvation. Um, Interesting. And yeah. I, was, I was fed that. But yeah. Angel, uh, those guys were, they were real. And, yeah, and yeah. that's about all I knew about them is that, but they had the stamp of approval. They were, they were, they were the real deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was there for a while. And then, I mean, I, I feel like I get this wrong, but either they like flipped buildings with Portland Foursquare or something like that. So they changed buildings at the time. Anyway, so I spent my summers there in Portland. I was an intern. That's where I met my wife. And then during that time, we just started to discern that God was inviting us to explore New York City. Now, that whole journey of how even New York City became an option, because neither of us have family there, is a very long story. Um, But there was those little moments of empowerment, those little moments of um, just prophetic utterance or sending signs of confirmation. And then it felt like a a flea that just wouldn't leave me alone. And so we met uh, people who were part of New York City. We connected and the Lord opened doors as joy. That's one of the ways that I always discern if the Lord is leading. There's a deep sense of joy that feels a lot like the peace that surpasses understanding, you know, Um, that you can't fully explain, can't look to conditions to say, well, this is why or circumstances. So we moved to New York City in 2015 and we worked with a multi-denominational network there called Hope Church NYC. So do you know Drew Hyun? Yeah, I know Drew very well. So Drew, yeah. That was the network I was part of in New York City. Ah. So Drew, um, I was a, a resident at the Astoria, Queens location, which was uh-huh. the first plant. Uh-huh. And then um, Drew and sort of the group sent us out to plant Hope Brooklyn. So we were there for about four months. And then uh, we moved to, well, we started working in Brooklyn and moved to Brooklyn later on, um, building community in 2016, officially launched the church in 2017, and then passed it off in April of 2021 which again is a very long story of how we discerned that, that we were done at, at Hope Brooklyn. Um, so talk to, talk to me a little bit before we go on in the story. I, I want to hear, I mean, Drew and, and the, the whole gang that's there, I, I know some yeah. of those people, they have, um, they've, they've, they've really built a strong network. There's a lot of love. Yeah. There's a lot mm-hmm. of grace, a lot of people who yes. are different from each other. But but also, I mean, the Big Apple, it, it, it's, yeah. it's a monster. And, and yeah. how, do you, yeah. how do you handle a monster like Brooklyn? I, I forget the guy's name, Hispanic. Well, you, don't, you, you don't handle a monster like Brooklyn. Brooklyn handles you. <laughs> but but so. how, do, yeah, how, do you, how do you engage that? I, I was with a pastor. Uh, Is it Edwin had, Colon? Yeah, Edwin Colon. I spent yeah. several hours privately with him. We met in his building. But yeah. when I was with Edwin, um, he he got to a point where they're housing homeless people, mm-hmm. and he and his family got so ridden with poverty that they ended up living in the homeless shelter for a period of time. Yeah, and yeah. I was just—I mean, Edwin is one of my heroes. 
Uh, oh, he's, he's anyone who knows Edwin, he's one of everyone's heroes. So, so, so how do you, I mean, how do you approach that? There, there's people listening who've yeah. got vision in their heart. And I can remember when we went to Honolulu and we we're just total outsiders. And yeah, uh, God put us in a place called Kaneohe, which is the backside of the island. I, yeah. I, I couldn't have handled Honolulu. It was more, and I'd, I'd been pastoring for, 12 years at that time, but I, I wasn't ready for Honolulu. Yeah. When Cordero came in, he did a great job there. Yeah. But, um, you know, talk to, take us through some of the, the scrapes and the fears Absolutely. and the joys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, oh gosh, there's so much packed into that. So returning back to something I just said, discerning the call of God and sort of the direction and not just the big moments, again, going back to the empowerment, like the big moments of God calling was not, was not my story. It was like little moments of today, take a step this way today, take a step that way. You know, um, maybe like, maybe that's why Exodus is such a important book of like how, when the cloud stops, you stop. And when the cloud moves on, you move on. Um, but that, that sense of joy, that sense of a presence that surpasses understanding um, that is confirmed by others suggesting this is the way walk in it was a really important um, factor in how we discerned, how we move forward. And there was lots of scrapes. Uh, you do things wrong all the time. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about church planting. And so I think you may or may not know this. In addition to being the senior pastor of Faith Center, I'm also the national director of church planting for Foursquare for oh, Multiply. Yeah. Wow. So you and I are very similar. Crowley is in the DNA, you know, of the church that I was exposed to with Hope Chapel. We, we plant churches. We're people on mission. But I think one of the things about church planting um, that I love about how God calls church planters, uh, I heard a friend say one time, at first he thought that God had called him to a city because God wanted to change the city through him. And then he realized God called him to plant this church because God wanted to change him. Yeah. Like there was aspects of his salvation and transformation. And of course, it's both and. Yeah. Um, but I think just that that humility, it takes so much humility to say there's so much I don't know. I'm just trying to be obedient to the spirit today. I tell all our church planters as their discerning vision to not promise more than God has shown them. That's a huge temptation for church planters and probably pastors in general is to give this big grand promise of God's taken us here and he's taken us there. And I see this. But if God hasn't said that, don't say it. And so we really tried to move very slow, which was very difficult. And it took a lot of great friends. So it takes humility. And it takes friends like Edwin Cologne. Edwin, I, I mean, I have a long story of our friendship and the, sort of the evolution of our relationship in Brooklyn. But God ministered to me so profoundly through Edwin, through welcoming me into Brooklyn. Um, in many ways, he kind of is like a, a pastoral gatekeeper to that mm -hmm. borough. Um, he'd just been there for so long. He'd ministered to so many people. Everyone knew Edwin. And so the way that he graciously and generously not only welcomed me in our church plant, but also generously let us use their space at a really pivotal season was just remarkable. Um, so I think it takes a lot of good friends. It takes a lot of co-laborers to follow the call of the Lord. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of patience. Um, which church planters, we don't have a lot of that. <laughs> so we, he's got to build some more patience in us. Um, yeah. And then I think just the Lord, I think for another thing that, that we work very hard with, with 
church planting in Foursquare is to do some of that pre-work of discerning, is there an apostolic call of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Um, because I, I very much believe in Acts, you know, it says that this is man, it's going to fail. That's right. And church planting is so hard that like, there's going to be millions of reasons why it could fail. But if it's of God, and you will have those hard days and those setbacks, nothing can stop it. Like there will be such a favor on it. So, so tell us a couple of stories. I mean, you mentioned Edwin yeah. sharing the space. When, when I was with Edwin, um, actually the reason we, we, I was there teaching a thing with exponential, mm-hmm. and, but, but we got together and talked a little bit about here he is pastoring a church that's doing a hugely effective ministry to, yeah. to, to broken people recovering addicts and yet there's gentrification going on all around yep. him and here yep. you have a man that that that, that has the polish uh, i mean he could he could he could sw- switch in a minute and go after the people who are moving yep. in totally. and, but really the challenge would be how how do we offer ministry to to both you know both yeah. him? Uh, tell yeah. you, tell us some a couple stories of, of yeah of challenges that were overcome or victories that god gave or you know problems well one of my yeah one of my uh favorite stories because i remember you know moving into brooklyn and i'd never ministered as the leader you know i'd been an intern i'd led a bible study but to be like the guy who god is called to you know help be mm-hmm. the guy to bring something into existence that's terrifying um and you really want to see signs of the lord so i was terrified of misstepping and again gentrification is a huge and important topic which brings into it all sorts of uh, racial dynamics, brings into the conversation all sorts of socioeconomic dynamics. And so you really want to enter into a space, letting the Lord invite you into the space and not enter with this bravado of, I know what I'm doing. I got this, you know, and, and which can, which can create a lot of harm to the ministries and the churches that God has been working in for so long, way before he called you onto the scene, you know? Um, so one of those moments of like, okay, Lord, I need to see, are you in this? So Edwin, our church plant, we had about 25 people at the time. So we're bigger than an apartment. We can't meet in the apartment anymore, but we really don't want to rent out a space yet because it's so expensive. And still at that time, I'm struggling with, Lord, is this you? Do you really want to plant this? Am I the guy for it? Why not someone else who's been in Brooklyn for a long time? So all those types of existential identity questions. And, and in a moment with Edwin, he just generously and graciously, even though our church was just a couple blocks away, it's like, we need more churches here. Can you use our space? Just generously offered up a space uh, for free. Didn't make us pay anything, uh, which was so unheard of in New York City. Yeah. You know, space is so expensive, similar to Honolulu. It's so expensive. Um, so that was remarkable that uh, as Edwin and I were still getting to know each other, he was still getting to trust me that he would be so generous with his space. So at that same time, like, it was just one of the moments like, all right, Lord, you're at work. But we were still, my wife and I were still living in Queens. And we knew this was not going to be a permanent spot for Hope Brooklyn for our church plant. And so that summer, my wife and I, we were uh, walking and praying for two homes. We were praying for a future home for Hope Brooklyn. And we were praying for our own apartment um, when we would move down to Brooklyn. Uh, So we were just trying to pray and, and act with a lot of trust. That summer, we probably walked into 20 or 25 different venues to inquire about renting out for Hope Brooklyn. Schools, art galleries, music venues, concert halls, got hard no's from all of them. 
Like all of them were like, no, we're not renting, which is not atypical in New York City. So we just continued to try to trust the Lord. One day we walked into a school, inquired about renting out and got like a wide open. Yes, we would love that, which honestly made us skeptical. We walked away. It was like, hey, what are you not <laughs> telling us? You know, because we hadn't had that experience. So that 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 day, we're like, OK, I guess we're going to be renting this school, which was amazing. Um, giving God thanks. The very next day, I get a call from a friend of mine uh, who lived in Queens, but he's from Brooklyn, pastor. And he goes, hey, man, there's a woman from my old church who knows about what's developing with Hope Brooklyn, and she wants you to call her. So I give her a call and come to find out that her and her husband own one brownstone in Brooklyn. And they just gotten word that the third story tenant was moving out. They knew wow. what was happening with Hope Brooklyn, and they were interested in renting to us if it worked. Wow. So again, this doesn't happen in New York City, uh, especially for the, the owner. Usually you have to go through a broker and pay an exorbitant broker's fee even for renting. And we didn't seek it out. And you really don't start looking. If you need to move, you don't start looking until a couple weeks ahead of time because stuff goes so fast. Wow. So basically we're like, she goes, what are you looking for? We go, you know, a one bedroom. This was a small two. She asked us our budget. Come to find out later that the market value of her place was above our budget, but she rented it for us in our budget. And the guy, the, the previous tenant was moving out the week that our lease was ending and when we need to move wow. in, which was still like three months from now. So we were stunned. And, and like, this is amazing. Where is your place? And the thing about Brooklyn is that if it was its own city, independent of the other boroughs, mm -hmm. it'd be top five to 10 largest cities in the country. It's like four or five million people yeah, yeah. just in Brooklyn. So it could be anywhere. She tells us the address. It's a two block walk from the school where we were just wow. told where we could rent for Hope Brooklyn. And that was one of those moments where, where the Lord is really teaching us, hey, before this church plant was in your heart, it was in my heart. Yeah. I want, want to plant this church. Yeah. I'm the one who's going to be leading you. I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to open the doors that no one else can open. I'm going to keep the doors shut that I want shut. Your job is simply to be faithful to me. Your job is to keep the main thing the main thing. Your job is to let me lead you and write this story. So, and again, you know, we, we promptly forgot all of this the very next day, of course, which is our human nature. It took more lessons to learn it. But that was a story when I realized that the Lord was actually in Hope Brooklyn even more than I was in Hope Brooklyn. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.